Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Rob Ramsey is our guest on today's episode. He is a second-generation police officer, currently working as a school resource officer for the community that he serves. Rob is also a suicide loss survivor. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We really do appreciate you participating in this discussion with us. To start, I'd like to say that I'm very sorry for your loss and um, ask you to start by taking a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here today. Uh, Just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a police officer for the town of Hingham. I've been there for about 28 years, I think, at this point. Um, Been the SRO at the middle school for the past 18. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I grew up in Hingham, um, went to Northeastern University, so go Huskies. Um, (laughs) And I was lucky enough when I was going through Northeastern, I had two co-ops, one with uh, Cambridge PD and another one with Dover PD before I got hired by Hingham. Um, So it's nice because I had a little mix of everything before Hingham came along. I also have a, a TV show uh, that I do with my, my partner in work, uh, Tom Ford, who's a high school SRO, called Cops and Kids, that can be seen on uh, Hingham, local Hingham cable channels, uh, that was nominated for an award a couple of years ago for uh, Best Community Show. We nice. lost, but at least being nominated is, you know, kind of a nice thrill. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And um, this past year, not, not to my own home, but this past year I was actually uh, one SRO of the year through the state uh, criminal justice uh, association, so... Excellent. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. I'm also the father of, uh, well, two, two boy, Aiden, uh, who passed away back in December, and Finnegan, who's uh, 14, going to be a freshman in high school in a couple weeks. So. And Finn is with us today. Yep. Thanks for joining us, buddy. So, um, Rob, thank you for sharing all of that with us. Take us take us back a little bit to, you know, you're working in you're working in Hingham, right? Hingham, um Police Department. Yes. And you're, you're SRO for Hingham. Is it middle school? What age groups do you work with? Uh, mostly middle school. Um, when I first took over the SRO job, you know, 18 years ago, I was, it was only me. So I was bouncing between the middle school, the four elementary schools, the high school, the private schools. It, it, was, too, it was too much. And then they end up, um, they had a high school SRO, but they dropped out because of budget. They brought the high school SRO back, which was nice. And now we have um, an elementary school SRO too. So... There's actually four of us now. That, that oh, wow. But I handled Hingham Middle School, uh, St. Paul's, which is a private Catholic school in town, and uh, Derby Academy when needed. Yeah. yeah. So working with a lot of kids, right, you see a lot of stuff going on, especially 
since COVID, yeah, right? Yeah. A, a big change. I see yeah. the way your reaction was to when I said since COVID is a, a, a huge change in, um, how would I say, the personalities or behaviours of kids when they came back into school. Do you want to share about how did, how did, how did you guys be able to adapt to that as a police officer but working closely with kids? It, it was difficult. Um, part of me liked COVID because I, I, I went through, I figured out Zoom. I thought, yeah. that, I thought that was a little easier, yeah. um, which I can tell. I don't know if it's appropriate on the, on the podcast, enough, but some stories about Zoom are pretty funny with kids' pets, like showing up in front of the camera. Yeah. But you see the back end of the pet as they're patting their head, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but since they came back, it was more manners. Like, um, a lot of kids were rude to each other. Um, the school handles a lot of discipline more than, than the police now with the uh, police reform bill. Yeah, uh, but like I said, the kids were very rude to each other. I think a lot had to do with the the, the social media and the fact that they, you know, were, were more online and they could get away with a lot more and not being called out on it. Yeah. Um, but this past year, at least what I could see f- with the sixth grade coming in, uh, it was kind of back to normal a little bit. You know, yeah. Kids and managers, they, they respected each other. I don't know if just that class because each class has a, you know different personality. Yeah. But but it seems we're getting back to you know quote normal whatever normal. Was. Yeah, things seem to go in the right direction. Yeah, it was sort of like hard um, to be able to adapt to, you know, the, the change, right? Yeah. Some people having a hard time um, making adjustments to what needed to happen. And then also, you know, being out of school and, and being afraid, right, of getting back into school yeah. and still worrying about being sick or, or getting sick or getting COVID and all that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, that was a big thing too. The unknown. No one knew what was going to happen when it first hit. You know, when the school shut down, um, all the school. At least that would that was twenty twenty. I think my years confused. Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. So um, the school was only concerned about the, the main classes. They, I mean, I teach there at the middle school. They they didn't care about me at all. Mm. They're like, don't worry about it. You know, yeah. we got to deal with math, science, English, yeah. history. So so I went back on the road, and for the police department end of things. Um, it was awful. You know, they're trying to find rubber gloves, which we had some, but not, you know, I mean, guys are going through them you know, four or five a shift, unlike, you know, if you go to medical aid, they throw them on, but that's maybe you know, once a day. Yeah. And then uh, trying to find masks for us. Yeah. And the wipes and the hand sanitizer, they're mm. just like, here you go, you know, wipe down the car, but try not to get sick because everyone thought, you know, you're going to die if you get sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the scary part on, on the police end with COVID. Yeah. And I think the kids, too. I think that, if, I mean, it's in the residual effects that with the kids, too. I mean, there's going to be some study, I think, in like 10, 15 years from now that, that with all everything that's going on with this generation, it's either going to be COVID or social media or, or something else. I think yeah. That's going on. Yeah. All, all different combination of different things, right? For, for us. And I remember also COVID here because we, we, oh, we yeah. operate like a little yeah. cafe here and, and having to adjust to... Yeah. Also trying to get the gloves and the masks and all of those type of things and the anxiety amongst our, ourselves, um, you know, and it was my job to make sure that my staff were, were comfortable yeah. um, here, being here every day and not getting sick and then yeah. going home, you yeah. know. So I get it, like how stressful that could have been for you guys, especially as a police officer, having to go to work, right, because you, you were on the, you, you couldn't, Hey, you're a police officer. You still had to, go. you still have to go to work, right, <laughs> yeah. every day, and and then be able to to have to go home to your family, Jordan. Now, Jay, you want to chime in? Yeah, I, w- I was wondering. Um, so you're a middle school uh, school resource officer. As far as your duties go, when interacting with the different grades, 
are the duties the same or are there, there different um, messages for wherever they're at in their, their development? Yeah, no, pretty much the same. I mean, it's such a goofy age that 10 to like 14-year-old boy and girl because yeah. they think they know all the answers and they don't know anything. Yeah. And especially like the, the sixth graders because every, every, everyone thinks they're going to uh, like pray play pro sports. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so funny, like seeing them kind of interact with each other and, and stuff like that. But, um, but no, my, my duties is, um, you know, first of all, above everything else, it's security for the building. You know? Okay. I mean, for, that's number one. Uh, number two is um, I teach DARE, the drug mm-hmm. education yep. program. So I do that for the, the sixth grade. And then I see the seventh and eighth graders once a term while they're in health class. And I just pretty much kind of review stuff that we talked about with them back in sixth grade. It, it alternates every other year. Um, one year is alcohol, and the mm-hmm. other one we talk about opioids. And now, you know, heroin and now fentanyl. Wow. Okay. Things of that stuff, yeah. Which I, it seems kind of shocking at, you know, eighth grade talking about fentanyl. But as you guys know, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's everywhere. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So they still teach there in Hingham? Hingham does, yeah. This is wow. A, yeah, I'm, this, like, this is my... Maybe 19th? I can't remember. I, I lose track of time. I think this might be my 19th year with D.A.R.E. And before me, the original D.A.R.E. officer did it for 13. Wow. So we're like one of the longest towns that continuously has, has taught. Yeah, yeah, I missed that. I loved that yeah. being introduced, although it was talking about tobacco and alcohol yeah. at the time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. My kids were going to school. Yeah. Um, but now we're talking about like opiates and fentanyl yeah. and uh, wow. Yeah. Like all this type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, very different. Oh, totally. And, and the, the, the sad or funny part is, is, you know, I look, I get, you know, 300 or so, you know, sixth grade is throughout the whole school is like a thousand kids, but, but figure for the sixth grade, 300 and change. And I can tell you right off the bat that that small little group that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I can talk to them. I'm blue in the face. These bunch of kids are not going to listen. The other percentage of kids that aren't going to go anywhere near it, mm-hmm. it's that big middle group that mm-hmm. I try to aim for. You know, yeah. just whether it's, again, Sports, because that's a big thing in high school. Um, you know, health-wise, just the fact it's gross, it can be expensive, you know, the addiction part of it. And just hopefully they listen, so they just wait and delay till they're more mature, their brain's fully developed, and they get to, like, that 18-, 19-year-old point in life, and like, I don't, I don't need this. Like, I'm doing something that I enjoy doing, whether it's, you know, sports, music, yeah. art, drama, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's kind of the plan of the game. But Yeah, but I love, I love also that you're, you're talking about that because at least – it's bringing some awareness about that. What about a child that doesn't get any of that yeah. and they don't know anything about it, but they're introduced to it on the streets, right? Exactly. At least there's some awareness from school yeah. um, and you're giving them that insight. So thank you for continuing to do that and being part of that. It's very important for our young um, kids out there, for sure. Do, do you see any reduction in, in childhood uh, opiate use? Uh, is there an impact being made? I, th- I think so. I thought uh, there was. Yeah. Um, I, I can't speak for every town. Yep. But, but hang on. Um, like I said, it's a combination of, of not just me. It's, if you look at the actually the dare, similar to triangle. Yep. Police, parents, and school. You know, I mean, I'm saying don't do it. The school's saying don't do it. And majority of the parents in town are saying, you know, don't do it. But yep. you get that one parent that wants to be the cool parent. And everything we're teaching just goes right the one if they want to let the kids drink at the house or smoke yeah. weed with them or whatever. But overall, I, th- I think it's working. I mean... Again, not, not the, we haven't had, knock on wood, uh, a fatality high school kid with drugs or alcohol in probably 15 years. And the average for most towns is like five to seven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of one thing that I base, you know, when people ask, is it working? I'm like, well, we, we don't have the problems that you know, other towns seem to. 
you know, because yeah. it's a combination of everybody. You know, everyone's in this together. Sure. Yeah, but you, you, you're still doing the program. Still doing it, yeah. You're still doing the program, so that also could make a big difference, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sure. Thank you for asking that question, yeah. Jay. Um, Rob, let's get into into talking about the, the you know, be, you being as a police officer. What what made you want to become a police officer? Was that something that you always wanted to do? I, I think so. I mean, I was kind of fascinated with the FBI growing up, um, but then at the time when I was kind of going through high school and college, uh, the FBI was only taking... Uh, accountants and lawyers, and and I when I hit college, I was done with school. I'm like, I'm not going any farther. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, and um, like I said, there's little, there's like law. I guess I, I, I know you said it's second generation, but not not technically. My dad was a probation officer. I was the chief probation officer down Plymouth Court. Uh, my grandfather was the chief court officer at uh, Suffolk Superior Court. Um, I have an uncle who's a trooper. A couple cousins who are Boston PD. Um, my next door neighbor growing up in Hingham was a Boston police officer. So I, I kind of grew up with around. around them. Yeah. And I just thought it was like a cool job because every day is different. You know, you can help people. Yeah. You're not stuck in a cubicle. You know, yeah. Other jobs. And it, it just kind of, everything kind of worked out. Like when I, I started Bridgewater State for college. Um, yeah. And then I'm getting hurt playing soccer. So after sophomore year, I'm like, I need, because I was undeclared, I told my dad, I go, I, I really want to get into criminal justice. And the best school around was Northeastern. And he almost had a heart attack when he saw the tuition bill from Bridgewater State <laughs> to Northeastern. Yeah. But he's like, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. And um, when I hit my first co-op with Cambridge, I was like, this, this is it. I mean, luckily, the, the sergeant who I was, to, who kind of, we were like doing security for the city hospital, and he liked me. So he kept me, even though I'm not supposed to, but they kept me on part-time when I went back to school. So I was working the weekends there. And then I ended up getting a job with Dover PD as a dispatcher doing the overnights. Yeah. And the, uh, the chief there liked me. So he kept me on. Again, you're supposed to be done at the end of the call, but they, they kept me on part-time so I could pick up overtime shifts. He put me on as a special. And back in the mid-'90s, pretty much gave me a gun and a badge. He's like, here you go, kid. And I had no idea what I was doing. But, um, but I could work, you know, again, shifts and overtime and details with them and, you know, took the test and, after I graduated and got hired by hanging pretty much right out of the gate. So, so it's nice how everything kind of worked out for me. Yeah. And you still, you still lived in Hingham at the time? At the time, yeah, I still with my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Still with your parents in Hingham. Yeah. Okay, perfect. What was, what's your favorite, I suppose, maybe it changes over time. I don't know. What's your favorite part of, of your job? Dealing with the kids because everyone's happy. You know, the kids actually enjoy seeing you in the morning and and the interaction you have with them. Uh, Because unfortunately when you work the road, and you're dealing with, you're not seeing people at their best. It's probably the worst day of their life that you would get called to their house or mm. you see them. And, you know, that can be a little stressful and dealing with that stuff. Um, but with the kids, the kids are just awesome. You know, just with the school environment, too. I, I'm really, really lucky at the Hanging Middle School. The administration uh, is fantastic. Uh, we're all about the same age. And we get along. We hang out with each other, like, outside of school. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so it's fun there. Uh, the teachers are great. Um, we And we hang out you know, we have things that, that they like to do. Like every couple months we all get together for some type of party or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so I just enjoy working at the, at the school. Yeah. Well, the, on, the only, you said that when the kids are, you know, the, I enjoy the best part is interacting with the kids because they're happy. Yeah. Well, if they're interacting with you and they're happy when they're interacting with you is because they're feeding off your happy energy. Um, so that comes from... From from you also, right? Because yeah. if you were if you were cranky, 
uh, SRO officer, guess what? They wouldn't be happy. They wouldn't be happy seeing you, right? So it comes from your energy too. So I credit that they're happy because they're interacting with you, sir. Um, So thank you for that again. So I know you're involved in other things in the community, like Pink Patch Project. Were you involved in the Pink Patch with Inham? Not really, no. That's uh, Lieutenant Durth. That, that's okay. his uh, baby. Yeah, he started the Pink Patch Project uh, for the town of Hingham. Um, but he asked me to sell it, sell them through the schools. To the, oh, yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. yeah, which is great. Um, I love doing it because my wife's actually a cancer survivor. Mm, me too. Yeah. Oh, no, go on. I yeah. am a breast cancer survivor, yeah. Same with her. She had breast and brain, which was crazy. Um, so, so I love doing it. Um, and then all the money um, that's raised with the Pink Patch Project goes to the, um, oh, what's the name? It's the Coleman Fund for... Uh, the Susan G. Coleman fund. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's one, yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I'm I'm a breast cancer survivor. Three years oh, wow. post. Yeah. Hey. Kicking, kicking yeah, butt yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So, um, you're a suicide loss survivor. Yeah. I'm going to just get into it. Okay. Um, share with us a little bit about that. I'm also a, 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 a loss survivor. Yeah. Um, however comfortable you are. Oh, no. Share with us... Um, your loss that changed your family's life in, in 2022. Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah. My son Aiden, uh, senior at Silver Lake, um, good kid. I, I don't want to brag as my son, but he was he was a stud. Um, <laughs> he, he was um, active in the band um, on the track team. He was actually a, a two year captain as a junior and a senior at the cross country team and the the, the, the track team. Um, and he's just a normal kid. Um, very quiet at home, but after everything happened, um, you know, hear all these stories about how he's like, you know, not, not the life, he didn't really party, but like, you know, he was like the life of the party. Um, he had a job with the Kingston Rec and saying like he would be like the leader down at, during the summers at the Rec. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a little part-time job um, washing dishes Sunday mornings at New World Tavern in downtown Plymouth mm-hmm. uh, for the breakfast. And they, they, they all loved him down there. And I'm like, this kid doesn't say four words when he's at home, but yet apparently he's this outgoing guy amongst everybody else. And, uh, and the day it happened, um, I worked at detail. I got home around noontime. And he and I uh, did a couple dump runs. Um, we ended up uh, dropping my car off at Sullivan Tire to get an oil change. We were going to drop his off the next morning and have to track practice. We are going to go grab breakfast. Um, we grabbed lunch. Um, when you get home from that, uh, one of his buddies who runs track at Bridgewater State on the track team uh, called him up and said, if you want to go for a run. So we went, did that, uh, came home. My wife and I were going to go grab dinner. Finn didn't want to go. He was in the basement playing video games. Uh, Aiden's like, I'm just going to shower. He's like, just bring me back a pizza. I'm like, okay. And we were at dinner. And a couple hours later, Finn calls saying, the police department's there and you got to come home. And that was, wow. That was pretty much it. Yeah, not, uh, totally out of the blue. I mean, no one saw this coming. That, that's... That's the most probably frustrating part about the whole thing. Um, is like, you know, why did he do it? Yeah. No signs, no history, nothing. I mean, he was fine with me. And then his buddy that he went running with, you know, came over the house, you know, a day or two later and was there for hours. And, and even he's, he's like, completely out of the blue. He goes, I go, did he mention? He goes, nothing. He goes, we had a normal conversation. It just completely, like, just no one could figure out why he did it. Yeah. How old was how old was Aiden? Uh, seventeen. He was seventeen yeah, years old. Yeah, actually, his birthday's on St. Patrick's Day. It oh, been, it would have been eighteen. At seventeen. Yeah, it would have been eighteen uh, this past St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry for your loss. I mean, 
I mean, this just happened in December, so it's still very raw, right? And yeah. new and still trying to process things. Um, <sighs> the fact that he, like, went out and, you know, said, bring me home pizza, that's something that my son would say. Yeah. I don't want to go out with you. I don't want to hang out with you, mom yeah. and dad. But bring me home pizza. Bring yeah. me home food. Yeah. And that's something that a, a normal 17-year-old would say yeah. um, to a family member. Yeah. After his loss... Um, I mean, that had to be shock, I mean, for your family, yeah. um, not to see any of this coming yeah. um, from Aiden. How did, afterwards, how, uh, share with us, like, how the grieving process, how were you able to grieve that and process this? Uh, probably because of support. I, I have to say, everybody's great. Like, when it happened, um, first person um, I call is my brother who's uh, actually he's a federal judge. He, he came over the house, uh, but actually he called our sister who lives right around the corner from us. She came over, she was probably, the, I think, the first person there. Um, and then I called my chief, who, who's been awesome. My, my administration, hang on, PD has been fantastic. I love to hear that. Yeah, between Chief Jones, uh, Deputy Chief O'Shea, and uh, Deputy Chief Petiti. Um, they came over the house. Um, we have a, a German Shepherd puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, luckily, one of the canines was working that night. He came over and pretty much took care of the dog. Um, the lieutenant, uh, Darren McAdams, who I'm friendly with, he was working until midnight. He came over right after shift. Um, they were there, that night that it, that it went down, which they, they were awesome. Um, so that, that's one helped me kind of get through at least that night. And then my younger brother um, ended up at the hotel room. He went over to his cousin's house to sleep. then, And... Um, Kim and I stayed in a hotel, and then um, and then going forward, um, the town of Kingston and Civil Lake community w- was just awesome. Uh, our neighbors on our street, we live in eight, eight house cul-de-sac, um, they were amazing. They, they constantly brought food over. Yeah. They didn't have to, but yeah. they were constantly bringing stuff over for us. Um, again, my school family, all the teachers there, they, they were doing stuff for me. The guys at HBD were doing stuff for me. So I mean, my wife's a nurse at Tufts Medical Center. And they were giving stuff for her at, at work. And, but as far as just, like, the chief saying, look, take whatever time you need. I don't care if it's a day. I don't care if it's a year. Whatever time you need, take it. Just don't worry about it. And yeah. I, I was out for probably about a, about a week and a half, I think, before I went back to work. Because I was sitting around the house watching, you know, the price is right for, you know, more than five days. I, yeah. was, I, was, I was losing my mind. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, you, when you're actually sitting at home, right, and not doing anything, it's not to leave space open for you to just your head to go yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I totally relate with that. Can I get in then talking about the support? Um, I, I can see Sutter Jay wanting to chime in. Did you want to chime in? I was wondering if there was any official resources. Were there any? It sounds like you had supportive friends, family. Were there any official uh, resources or any official outreach to help you through the grieving process? No, they they, they asked if we wanted any. Um, I, I turned them down. Like, so I, I was pretty good. I mean, I've dealt with. Not personally, but I mean, I've dealt with loss before, you know, to work. Um, yeah. and also my, my, both my parents passed away years ago, um, and with Kim going through the cancer. So I was, I was, I, you know, I, plus I'm kind of an introverted guy anyway. Mm. So, so I turned him down. I was, we were more concerned about, about this guy, but he, he was good. Um, there's, um, like I said, he's very active in the town. And one of the kids that he's friendly with who plays football with him, um, his mother works for Hope Floats, which is a support group in Kingston. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she, I'm aware of them. She was constantly, you know, with talking to my wife Kim about getting, you know, a, you know Finn and, and us if we wanted to go. And 
we're like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But just things kind of, once we get back in the routine of work, um, everything you know, kind of seems to be okay. Yeah. So the the resources from the um, the department, yeah. um, that's huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, to be able to you know to get to get through that initial initial time. Yeah. Um, do you want to sh- share with us like, was there talking about it in work when you went back to work openly, or did anyone mention it to you? No, you know? no one brought. Everyone's like, you know, sorry for your loss and and stuff like that. How you doing? But mm-hmm. no, no one ever really like brought it up. Yeah. But again, I had a nice little buffer. Um, again, the, the, the my again, I call him my, my partner at work. Tom Ford is the high school SRO. Um, he lost his older brother to suicide back when Tom was in high school, going back twenty something years now. So Tom kind of had an idea what I was going through. So Tom was kind of the go between, between everybody at work and even the schools because being he's the high school SRO. Yeah. Uh, and me, so it, it was good to have that that buffer. Yeah. And like so, so that kind of worked out. That was a good. So he was able to help you through um, that grieving process and be able to help you what's going on, because there, there really is no. Um, I know for us, um, I know we lost a, a police officer, um, but it's the same. It's the same thing, right? We lost a child, um, just like you, yeah. and um, there was no resources like available to hand it to us or presented to us from the police department. Um, you know, in the town that it happened in, to to help us navigate um, through that process, there was none at all. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm glad that you had someone to be able to sort of open up to if you chose to, because yeah. um, a lot of times you, you don't want to talk about it. And you're also a police officer, so um, it's hard to be able to open up and and talk about um, this stuff. We are hope beyond the badge, so we want to make talking about emotional wellness um, amongst force responders are normal so that people are talking about it within the departments, not only for police officers, but for firemen, um, dispatch, you know, EMTs, the whole culture um, as one is to be able to talk about it openly. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, people in your department, you know, if they are s- struggling from whatever they see, because regardless, um, you're an SRO, so you're not out on the roads, right, a lot. But there is others in your department that are and see trauma every day. Oh, yeah. And um, it can be hard yeah. and, and might not go home and talk about it with their families or, or share it with families. And then before you know it, it just adds up and adds up and adds yeah. up over, over time. Yeah. Um, but I want to extend um, that if you ever want to talk about um, loss or grieving or um, I'm always available to to chat with for sure um just be a near or a shoulder to cry on whichever you choose um both are available so i just want to offer that to you um i also want to start to bring to attention that um plymouth county you're you live in plymouth county right yes. in kingston um there's now going to be a new plymouth county loss team mm-hmm. l-o-s-s team it's it's just very new um, they're going to be involved in um, all the police departments. They're going to get all the police departments. They're trying to get all of them in, in, in Plymouth County um, involved so that when there is a loss um, in, in any of those towns, the uh, loss team will deploy out um, a couple of their, their members. Yeah. And um, they'll be available for families 
Um, so they'll be brought in um, if a family re- is said, yes, it's okay for a lost team to come in, just to purely offer comfort yeah. and resources. Um, I know that was a big, I was talking to Jay about this earlier on, and we talk about it all the time, um, but that was one big, big thing for about a year and a half that we did not, we were on our own, and uh, we did not have any resources presented to us or even one phone number to say, hey, call this, they might be helpful to you to help you get through this um, and to be able to navigate that, and that was not um, available to us. So um, I'm so happy that the Plymouth County are one of the, in, on the South Shore, are one of the first ones that's going to be available. And they're getting all the police departments now all signed on. Um, we'll be able to go out and um, offer support yeah. and resources to families. Um, yeah, so that's very new. And I'm very proud to say that I am one of those members of the lost team. Oh, good. Um, so we'll, for Plymouth County, so we'll be able to get out there and help some other families and just offer um, comfort. Um, so that's very, very new. It's still in the works. It's yeah. still training process and all that type of stuff happening. But yeah, there'll be a lot of police departments um, all signing up for that. Oh, good. Yeah, because there's, some, I mean, there's something now, even that it's, it's called Metrolec. It's like the area police departments, like Weymouth, Hingham, Hull, Cohasset. I don't know if Abington is part of it. It's, like it's the Metro thing for like the SWAT teams, stuff like that. Yeah. And they, a couple of years ago, they started something like that. And I know Eddie O'Brien from Weymouth PD um, is on it. In fact, he came to the house the night when everything went down, and um, which was nice because his younger sister is best friends with my wife. Oh wow! And when he showed up, to the, he, you know, they told him just come to the address. And when we got to the house, he's like, "Wait a second, I know these people." And he was like, "Even better, come on in." And, yeah. Yeah, and we're like, "He's like, do you need anything?" And we're like, "Nah, Eddie, thanks for coming." You know, but yeah, I think this lost idea is a great. Yeah, program. and yeah, this yeah. is not only like for first responders, this is for families, um, you know, in, within the communities. Eddie O'Brien probably come down because he's part of the peer support program, right? So yes, he's ma'am. probably come down to support you yeah. um, within that program. But w- the last team is basically just offering support and comfort and then being able to give them a whole packet of resources available that they can reach out to. Now that, you know, you're a couple of months past your son's loss, Grieving, what's grieving like for you? Have you been able to go through a process of grieving? And what has what has that been? Yeah, um, certain things will pop up. Like like it was St. St. Patrick's Day was tough this past year because um, it would have been his 18th birthday. Um, high school graduation weekend was another tough one because he would have graduated high school this past year. Uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving are probably going to be tough because it would be the first ones without him. Um, and just for me personally, just stuff will like come up, like a song on the radio, or like a movie will like I'll see like like I just saw an ad for uh, the movie Napoleon with Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. It's coming out in like, a couple months or something like that. And I'm like, he was a big history buff. And I'm like, oh, he would have loved seeing this movie. You know, it's just little stuff like that. Yeah, make me think about him. Um, but yeah, the green process goes from you know sad to angry to you know confusion and just the normal cycle of you know like probably everybody else goes through no not necessarily mm. what's the anger oh, why do you do it you know i'm angry with that mm. he did it you know, i mean he had so much he was only 17 he had so much to live for I mean, yeah. I, yeah why did it leave us like this mm. yeah i i can relate with that mm. i you know for me it was yeah very I was very very angry um with alex um at, at the time um why 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 leave your kids? Why leave us like this? Why 
why not talk to me? That's why I was angry. Oh, why not talk to me? Um, about really what was going on. And, um, you know, sort of struggling through those type of things. And then being sad. And then not trying to let my family know, you know, that I was hurting too. Because, um, you know, I've talked about being the fixer in the family um, over time. I've given up being the fixer in the family. Um, but I was trying to fix everybody. Making sure everyone, his siblings and, and my husband were okay. And uh, trying to sort of be the, the, the strong one. In, in the fa- and I am the strong one, but the, the strong one in the household, but not letting them see me um, sad. Yeah. So, I mean, the day after Alex passed, I came into work. Um, and I just needed to, if I go into work, I'm going to wake up out of this nightmare. And it, it was really only a nightmare I was having. It wasn't real. Yeah. So if I go in, well, then this didn't really happen. And, um, yeah, it wasn't a good idea because um, I ended up coming home very quickly. Um, but, yeah, it, so all of those type of things, you know, and I can relate with it and the sadness. So all of those little things come up over time. Yeah. So where are you now? Like, do you talk to someone? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much in a good place. Yeah. For the moment, I mean, I'll... I'm banging in there. Yeah. So a lot of school. I mean, when I get back to work, that, that was the big thing, just getting back in the routine and, and doing stuff like that. And yeah. His schedule kind of keeps me busy, too, between everything he's involved with. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you feel that your family have connected more? because Has it brought you closer, or is it, um, do you talk about it at home? No, we don't really talk about it at all at home. Yeah. Um, but no, we, uh, yeah, we, I don't know we're close. I mean, we're kind of a weird dynamic at home, because my wife's like, she's a nurse. She does the overnights, and yeah. I'm on day shift. So we're kind of always... Two passing ships in the night, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything revolves around, well, it was Aiden and Finn. Now I think just revolves around Finn, whatever his schedule is. We just kind of yeah. work around that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a time when my husband couldn't talk, even mention Alex's name, um, for three years. Mm-hmm. If I went home and I'd say, one of Alex's buddy, all of the Alex, the, the Abington guys come in, and I would say, one of Alex's buddy came in. Um, he'd his hand would go right up and I can't talk about it don't I can't do this and so I wasn't able to sort of talk about it at home Uh, so you know talking about it in here um with other first responders who were coming in consoling me that's how I was sort of that helped me through it you know and but being able to talk about it was there any shame in in it for you for you like did you feel any shame um like a stigma? Yeah, at first I was kind of concerned what people would think about us. Yeah. But then I'm like, F them. I mean, it is what it is. It was, you know, like you said, completely out of the blue. Yeah. No signs of anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I love that attitude that you said, you know, there was a stigma and, and a bit of shame at the beginning. And I felt that too. Um, and then I realized, well, there's so many other first responders that are struggling. And, um, and people in general are struggling. And I want to help. Yeah. So I've turned my energy into, into helping um, others and, and has really also helped me heal and, and sort of connect them with my friend Jay here um, being able to start to get through all of that type of stuff yeah do you have any passions anything that you enjoy doing recreationally things um, that like you do for fun golf uh, usually not, I don't play as much as I did before the boys came along mm-hmm. but I'm trying to, I'm getting back into it which is nice um, but yeah I'd say golf is probably my big thing or just watching you know well for Aiden and then play sports. That was kind of my big thing. You know, I mean, both growing up, they both played uh, soccer, um, baseball, 
Uh, Aiden was a decent athlete. Like so he was fast. So he tra- went. To, he played soccer freshman year at the high school. He got cut sophomore year, and went right to the track team. And he would, that was like a duck to water. He just excelled at that. Um, like I said before, but but Finn plays uh, played soccer growing up. Now he plays football, basketball, baseball. Um, does track at the at the middle school level. Um, he's either for the summertime he's either doing summer basketball, summer baseball. Um, for the track team, he qualified in three events at the state. Yeah, so three qualified three for three state finalists uh, events, and um, he made the. Papa won a football all-star team this past year. So he's oh, nice. good for you. So you're busy. Yeah, so he's busy, busy, busy. Yeah, which is probably another, probably another way how we're kind of dealing with everything. Just like I said, stay active and keep moving. Yeah. You know, gotta keep gotta keep moving forward. Yeah, you have no time to think yeah. about anything else. So because you're you're involved in in this school, right? And Aiden was still in school, and you see kids um, on a daily basis, and you also probably see more than likely see kids struggling. What would you like to see that maybe might be missing in in school system um, that, or even in, in departments that would help, um, especially for families or kids who are struggling, yeah, that, like mental-wise, like emotional-wise? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I, it's tough to compare. Hingham's really good. Hingham's got a lot of resources, mm-hmm. um, so I'm a little bit spoiled. We have um, adjustment counselors. We have guidance counselors. We have a school psychologist in the school. So if the kid's struggling, um, actually what happens usually every other week, um, myself, the counselors, the administration, the nurses, we have a, a meeting. Oh, and, wow. And we, th- we pick out kids that we see, you know, if somebody be struggling or something's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and right away, either the guidance counselor kind of, you know, pull them in. And then from there, whether it goes to the adjustment counselor or the psychologist, yeah. So it's a nice little kind of filter system how we kind of get things set up at the Hingham Middle School. Um, I don't know if every school does that. Yeah. But I, that that's, I think, amazing how we have it set up at our school. I don't remember that happening at Braintree High School. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, um, this is my daughter was struggling. She has an anxiety disorder, and it was really, really hard. I mean, she struggled really hard, and I used to have to fight to get help, you know. So the fact that you are sitting down and talking and having meetings, um, you know, what kid might be struggling and or you notice behavior changes amongst the the faculty, right, Um, and yourself being in the school Mm -hmm. makes a big difference. um, Being able to say, hey, notice, just like sort of peer support in in the departments, right, and police and fire, notice there's something wrong and yeah. we're concerned about you and another thing too is um every morning when i when i come into school um i'll check the police log and i'll see if anything if any cases happen involving any of the kids at school like let's say if there was as a domestic at this whatever the smith house and say yeah Susie smith is a you know a student at the middle school um i'll notify the the guns counselors in the administration they will then notify um that kid's teachers to say, look, if she's acting up or something like that, just to give you a heads up, you know, there was a domestic at the house or, or whatever happened. Oh, uh, wow. Before. So the teachers now have a heads up. Wow. Because back in the day, when we were all probably growing up, um, you know, if some kid was acting up, the teacher would be like, right, go to the office. Yeah. And, you know, the kid just came from a... a now I'm in trouble. Yeah. Why? Grab, grab I'm in, I'm home, he's acting out. Now he's like, oh, now I'm in trouble. And that would just spiral out of control. Yeah. So at least now it's more, not really kid gloves, but at least they know ahead of time and they can kind of... 
deal with it and prepare for it, which, which again, helps a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like that the, this, the school faculty are sort of being more proactive rather than reactive, right, to a situation, yeah. right? So uh, instead of something getting out of hand with a child, right, in school, that they're able to sort of address it beforehand and hopefully maybe they catch something exactly. um, before something drastic could happen. Yeah. And I love that. Be, uh, I mean, we're both certified in mental health for state youth, and um, we, we've been trained in all of that type of stuff. Is, is any of the faculty trained in that type of stuff? Mm, not that I'm aware of. Mm. No, we have the school psychologists and the adjustment counselors that I believe they are. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of training free out there. Oh, mental I'm Health sure. First Aid. Oh, Plymouth yeah. County offer it yeah. for free. Mental Health First Aid youth, right? And, they, and lots of faculty and teachers can get trained so they can bring someone in mm-hmm. and get trained for free with, so everyone is aware of all the different behavioral changes in, in, a, in a youth, for sure. Is there any type of uh, mental health educational component? Like I, I know that you, uh, you educate the kids about the dangers associated with drugs and alcohol. Um, is there anything, if a kid's not identified, say, is there a, a presentation informing them about mental health signs, symptoms? Mm-hmm. And if not, is that necessary? Uh, that's a good question. Not with the kids that I can, I, I believe they had one for parents. Okay. But the problem is when you do something for the parents at night, it's like you're kind of preaching to the choir. It's like the same parents show up to every the, the people who you want to come don't yeah. usually sh- don't usually show up, you know. But I believe I know what ha- I believe it has was offered last year some for mental health for parents. Do you think it would be a benefit for children to be educated, um, understand more about about mental health symptoms to watch out for in themselves, or even their friends? Or I mean, even lot, their yeah, friends. that's that's yeah. the key. A lot of times we're told stuff from from the friends, yeah, which is nice. Mm. Especially the middle, the middle school kids like to talk, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah they kind of close up more when they hit high school because they think everything's okay. They're gonna kind of you know get by. But yeah, middle school age is great because they they just run their mouth all the time. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean I, I I I'd be open for that if we ever had it. But yeah, uh, well you should look into it. Plymouth County Suicide Coalition um, and Awareness they offer those programs all the time, not only for parents to to be trained in mental health. They could also go into the school and teach the faculty. But they can also have a uh, a module that's based on teaching the kids, um, basically watching out for your friends, right, and being aware of it, so and so, so and so. Because a lot of times, say, I didn't notice the signs, or or what should I? Did I miss something? Or um, what I had noticed? What should I? I wish I was more aware of this type of stuff. And the same with teachers too, right? There's a lot of guilt in in not knowing about that stuff and it's available those resources are available um so definitely look into that type of stuff to bring it into the school um why not right um so going going forward um as far i love that your school by the way is is ahead of of this going forward where where do you think you are now in in your healing i mean you're still very early on yeah i I don't i mean it's probably as you know it's probably something you're never gonna get over yeah um uh, but I mean, I seem to be. I mean, I personally I think I'm in a good place. Yeah. Uh, yeah what do you do for yourself for self care? Uh, watch this guy. <laughs> watch the little guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really drink. Um, you know, I'm th- which is that was one thing I was worried about. You know, a lot of people turn to alcohol and stuff, yeah. But now I, I really don't do that anyway. So, um, yeah. No, just kind of stay busy. I mean, honestly, keeping yeah. yourself busy. Yeah. 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 
So it'd be nice to start to do something for yourself, getting into that little bit of golfing, right? Yeah, I hope so. Um, because <laughs> I, even though, even though, I mean, this is a joy, right, to watch your son. I mean, yeah. every every father or every parent wants to go and, and watch their kids playing in sports and stuff like that. But also, having that little balance for yourself too yeah. um, is important. Yeah. I know I've learned that, you know, nearly five years down the road, um, to start to have a little bit of balance for myself in there, whether it be just something even small, but I'm noting it that I'm taking time from me a little bit more yeah. where I wasn't. I was work, 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 work. And uh, I'm just sort of taking a little time from me now. Um, so yeah. I'm passing that on to you too. <laughs> just giving you my little, my little, my little bit of energy, <laughs> passing that on to you, sir. Um, I thank you for coming in today oh, um, for sharing um, your story, your son, your sons with us, your family your job and your joy um, in, in what you do every day and helping kids. And, and that was one of the things that you said at the beginning. You know, I said, what was your favorite part? And you said, the kids, they're happy. Um, and I do believe that they feed off your energy um, and being able to deal with it. And thank you for sharing and coming in with us today. Officer Ramsey is a suicide loss survivor. He shared with us the loss of his 17-year-old son, Aiden how the support he received from his department was crucial for him during the initial shock of his son's suicide, how his community at school and at home got the family through that tough time. Officer Ramsey puts his energy into supporting kids. He clearly loves what he does. It showed as he sat across the table from us. We feel that early education in schools about mental wellness is important, and we encourage school departments towards providing it. Until next time. Till next time.